Excellent. I just need a couple of props. Bear with. Don't laugh, you're involved, Neil. Excellent. Well, it's good to be... Isn't it great to be back after last week being away? Um, what? What? I never fastened that one. It's too tight if I fasten the bottom one. Well, that's all right. It's a nice belly. I'll just pull my trousers up. You can't see my belly now. Honestly. I'm, I, you've like the spirit of the Lord and you're just like... Flipping heck. Never worked with family, with your family and animals. So, trying again. Isn't it good to be in church after a week away? Is that all right, Chuck? Is that all right? Does that work? Apparently, it's unseemly to see the pastor's tummy in church when his button comes undone. So, it's good to be back in church after a week or so. It's a really, I had a fantastic time last week. Um, and we can't live in that bubble called one event where thousands of us meet up. But, it's, you know, this is family. This is the local family. This is where God has called us to be. It's so special to be here. Um, just to let you know, while we're there, some of us bumped into Steve. You won't all remember Steve. Steve was a part of the congregation here, came along with various addiction issues. We bumped into him. He went, across, he went up to um, Hexham, to Battelle, rehab there. Uh, Christian Centre, wow, is he doing good. Yeah. He walked up to me, he said, Paul, how are you? And I said, I'm really great. And I'm thinking, who on earth are you? He looked so well, I didn't know who I was talking to. Yeah, and I threw a couple of names at him, <laughs> just thinking it might be this person. Then he said, it's, it's me. Wow. So I just wanted to let you know, um, God is good. Yeah. God redeems lives. Absolutely. And yeah. so from the darkest, most impossible, broken place... This guy is back on fire for God, and he's yeah. physically so well, completely clean, taking responsibility, investing in other people's lives now. How good is our God? Because yeah. he's the kind of person the world says, no, no, we're not, we're, we're not playing this game. You're out. How good is our God? So, yeah, that was a, that was a great experience while we were there, seeing those things happen. And uh, today, today's new series is called Strong. Um, it was very interesting. I put on Facebook last night. The church was starting a new series called Strong, and they see a little flower, a little plant pushing its way through the concrete. One of those images that always impresses me, unless it's on my driveway at home, in which case it always annoys me. Indeed, outside, in the middle of a concrete yard, I've been away for two weeks, not weed killed, and the backyard is full of flipping weeds. They are strong against the odds and that's what we're looking at and I put on Facebook just late last night the new series is going to be called Strong when eternity invades the moment and um, straight away somebody messaged church and said why 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 have you got to be strong so I've simply messaged them back and said well you need to come to church and find out or listen to the pod and you'll, you'll get the heart of it we get these kind of messages all the time but when you say to people they've got to be strong, that is intimidating for some people. But today, what I'm not saying is you've got to be strong. But let's discover about being strong in God and what strong is all about when eternity invades the moment. So you remember uh, last time uh, I did a bit, a bit of a series, of, uh, the last time I spoke, I talked about eternity in the human heart. And that's really, as I conclude the summer series, that was an introduction to the autumn series. Because you know today's the first day of autumn, don't you? 
meteorological autumn began today. Yeah. So this time next week it'll be pitch black at four o'clock. All right. There'll be a foot of snow on the ground. And you'll all be suffering from seasonally affective disorder, what we call it. Sad. No, you won't. So this is, a, this is really the second half of that one. This is an introduction to where we're going to go over this, this autumn series where I'm speaking. And I'm just going to read to you from Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verse 1, as I closed with last time. To everything there is a season, a time for every purpose under heaven, a time to be born and a time to die, a time to plant and a time to pluck what is planted, a time to kill and a time to heal, a time to break down and a time to build up, a time to weep and a time to laugh, a time to mourn and a time to dance. He has made everything beautiful in its time. Also, he has put eternity in the hearts, except that no one can find out the work that God does from beginning to end. See, that's the, you know, eternity is placed in us, but even though eternity is placed in our hearts, even then we can't work out the very, very beginning and the very, very end. It's, it is just too vast for us, for our capacity. We can't work God out, even though he's placed his eternity in us. And the whole of this strong series is going to be about eternity invading our moment. Um, we share that root of eternity in our hearts. It's going to be an interesting journey uh, for me to write. Um, the scriptures I'm seeking to proclaim over us and have been planning, um, we're all in place. I wrote this sermon and, and the last one before we personally as a family got any news. Uh, so I'm not changing anything. This is just what I feel God is, is saying to us over this autumn period. And here's another scripture for you. In 2 Corinthians it says this, Therefore, in order to keep me from becoming conceited, I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger from Satan. I am, what is that? To torment me. Three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me. But he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. So when I'm talking about being strong... I'm recognizing that we're weak, but him in us makes us strong. So I look at Steve that went up to, um, went up to Battelle, and he was weak when he was with us, but in the right place, with eternity within him, yeah. with salvation yeah. and God's people, he's strong. Yeah. But of himself, he's still weak. But when it, God invades that moment something transforms and that's what we're going to be looking at strong comes from seeing and understanding things as they really are it captures everything so i did a little bit, a bit of digging into what eternity means and um, you know my grace is sufficient for you for my power is made perfect in weakness it says in corinthians so when we feel downcast when we feel impossible his grace is sufficient for us so I just, I'm, I'm saying this is an introduction to, to get into your life situation your life circumstances, your experiences, whatever they are, whatever they currently are now, whatever they've been, whatever you think they could be, his grace is sufficient. For his power is made perfect in weakness. There's this, there's this strange dichotomy. Oh, it's like I'm educated. Our weakness is the very point at which he becomes strong, where he can step in. And... Let's have a little look at this eternity moment. Eternity, the original language, Olam, it means, think of something like world without end, an infinite vanishing point, going forwards and going backwards. There's no end to it. So it's not a moment in, our lives aren't a moment in eternity, but eternity in the moment. And it's such a massive difference, such a massive difference. We don't just grasp a moment in time. 
But that eternal time enters our moment. And that is quite literally your kingdom come. His eternal kingdom, your kingdom come. Jesus prays. When we see that in that way, the vision of our life and our situation instantly changes. This is Jesus saying that his kingdom is not of this world, but it is within us. You understand that? He says, this kingdom is not. Listen, I don't play the Brexit argument and the prorogue. I don't do any of that kind of thing. My kingdom is not of this world. His, His kingdom is way beyond all of that. Way beyond all of that. And he places his kingdom, his eternity, into his followers, into his believers, to those that are his. This is his saying, his kingdom come. Every moment is our opportunity to invade the moment with eternal when we have a God vision. So any circumstance, any individual moment in time, any circumstance we experience, any situation we find ourselves in, that is an opportunity for us to say your kingdom come, to bring eternity into that moment and bring transformation. Then in our weakness moments, we are strong. This isn't about people connecting to what we look like but to the journey we're on and the destination we have in Christ. So you see, no matter how shiny our building is, no matter how perfect it might be one day, no matter how smartly I dress, no matter how good our lights and things might be or not, or how good the sound system is, people do not ultimately connect with that. They connect with the journey that we're on in Christ and the destination who is Christ. That is the relationship they connect with. It's about us knowing who Jesus is. Okay, so that's just setting the scene, so now I'll start to preach. Okay, I could probably sit down there now. Shall I just sit down now? I'll keep going. So, uh, 1 Samuel, but the Lord, this is just a proof text. This is um, Samuel who's looking to anoint a new king, and he finds little David, or David, a young man, a shepherd, uh, part of a big family, but the youngest in this big family. And uh, Samuel's a prophet looking for the king to anoint him. And he says, But the Lord said to Samuel, Do not consider his appearance or his height, for I rejected him. The Lord does not look at the things people look at. People look at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. So Samuel's just had presented to him this strapping firstborn son who's big and muscular and athletic and clever and full of himself and ideal king material. Okay? But God says, No, no, that's just the outside stuff. I'm interested in the person. I'm interested in the character. I'm interested in the heart after me. And the, the kid on the hill, the shepherd that wasn't even invited to party, is the one that God was looking at. And he became King David. But before he became King David, he had a lot of life experiences. And that's what we're going to explore today. So we're doing the good old-fashioned David and Goliath story today. Is that all right as an intro? So this is Sunday school for grown-ups. Okay, most of us live in that place where we feel everyone looks on the outside of us, don't they? Who put makeup on this morning? Because you know, some of the guys put their hands up, they just, Lord. All right, all right, fellas, who used moisturizer or had a shave this morning? Okay, I love that. I love real men go, I shaved. No, 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 softy moisturizer stuff. Paul's actually only 27. He just had a real old friend. Just will not use moisturizer. That's what happens when you don't use moisturizer. Most of us live in a place where we feel everybody looks on the outside and judges us and works us out and considers us. And, and lots and lots of people walk around thinking everybody that meets them must be disappointed. I have a massive insecurity complex. Um, I always assume that I'm in the wrong place at the wrong time. I just, one event for me is massively difficult because we have to go to the leader's lounge 
where all the kind of key leaders of ground level go. And every time I walk up to walk in the door, I assume someone's going to say, oh no, not, not you. Julie can come in, but you're not meant to be here. <laughs> I always assume, like, I've been bluffing and walking in by accident, and sooner or later, somebody will pluck up the courage to tell me I'm not meant to be there after like 10 years. But so far, it's not happened, so I'm going to keep on bluffing. And like, every time we first go in, Julie has to persuade me that I ought to go. And I always do this kind of, oh, maybe we'll not bother this time. So, most of us live in that place of worrying. Please don't use the toilet out there, there isn't one, and it means I've got to mop later. Um, but the Lord changes everything. Now, I want you to cast your mind, I want you to bring your minds to this place. Um, ancient, ancient Palestine, okay? So you've got, I forgot that background. Like on telly, and you go back to ancient Palestine. And there is, it's windy in ancient, well we are on a ridge. There's a series of ridges and valleys in a particular part of, called um, Shafala in Palestine. And it's, they're like natural defences, ridges, steep valleys, high ridges. And that is a defence that protects all the fertile lands, all the wealth of the land of Israel, of Palestine, that region. And for thousands of years there have been endless battles fought over them. Right through the Crusades, right back through Roman times, right through the Bronze Age, right through all the Babylonian Empire and the Egyptians. Fights have been fought, great battles have been fought there. And the story of David and Goliath is one of those particular periods where great armies have clashed and won and lost. And so we're going to look at that right now. But the question I'm asking you to, asking today is, too big to fight or too big to miss? And I'm going to read quite a long story now. I might jump about a little bit and skip bits out, but the, the, the two key phrases are written up there. One is Saul, the king's comment, and the one underneath is David, the coming king's comment. So the Philistines occupied one hill. Neil. Yeah, stand on it carefully. A champion called Goliath was from Gath. He came out of the Philistines' camp. His height was near three meters. He had a bronze helmet on his head and wore a scale of uh, armor of bronze weighing 60 kilograms. On his legs, he wore bronze grit. Can I just say, he was just short of three meters tall. So any picture you've seen in your storybooks of, of, of like a giant being 35 feet tall, he was, he, was, he'd like, he was just very, very tall. Okay? On his legs he wore bronze greaves and, on his, uh, and a bronze javelin was slung on his back. His spear shaft was like a weaver's rod and its iron point weighed seven kilograms. His shield bearer went ahead of him. Goliath stood and shouted at the ranks of Israel, Why do you come out and line up for battle? Why do you come out and line up for battle? Am I not a Philistine? Am I not a Philistine? Are you not the servants of Saul? Are you not the servants of Saul? Choose a man to have him come down and fight me. He's good, isn't he? It's like Goliath, really. If he's able to fight and kill me, he will become your subjects. But if I overcome him and kill him, you'll become our subjects and serve us. Then the Philistine said, This day I defy the armies of Israel. Give me a man and let us fight each other. On hearing the Philistine's words, Saul and the Israelites were dismayed and terrified. Because a big bloke stood in the middle and said, Come and have a go if you're hard enough. It's what he did. It's what he's doing. 
And then there's a long section where David comes to visit to bring cheese sandwiches for his brothers. And they all make fun of him and give him a lot of aggravation and mock him. And then it moves on a little bit. David said to Saul, let no one lose heart on account of this Philistine. Your servant will go out to fight him, Robert. Yeah, he's standing on chair, son. Hey, you get to be a godly person that's quick on his feet and fast. He's just, when I describe what Goliath's really like in a couple of minutes, this is monster insult time. You can see straight away there's a disparity in size and experience. He's catching him up. David said to Saul, let no one lose heart on account of the Philistine. Your servant will go out and fight him. Saul replied, you're not able to go out and fight the Philistine and fight him. You're only a young man. And he's been a warrior from his youth. See, Saul was overwhelmed by the moment. But David said to Saul, your servant has been keeping his father's sheep. When a lion or a bear came and carried off a sheep from the flock, I went, that's him. I went after it, struck it, and rescued the sheep from its mouth. When it turned on me, I seized it by its hair, struck it, and killed it. Your servant has killed both the lion and the bear. This uncircumcised Philistine. Are you? Are you? will be like one of them because he has defied the armies of the living God. The Lord who rescued me from the poor of the land of the poor of the bear will rescue me from the hand of the Philistine. David has let eternity enter his heart. Meanwhile, the Philistine with his shield bearer in front of him kept coming closer to David. He took David, he, he looked, you can come down if you like now. No, 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 no. Right, you're right, you've just got to look angry now. He looked David over and saw that he was little more than a boy, glowing with health and handsome. And, and, glowing with health and handsome, son, come on. Like your dad. And he despised him. He said to David, am I a dog that you come at me with sticks? And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. Come here, he said, and I'll give your flesh to the birds and the wild animals. David said to the Philistine, you come against me with sword and spear and javelin. But I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defiled. This day the Lord will deliver you into my hands, and I'll strike you down and cut off your head. This very day I'll give the carcass of the Philistine army to the birds and the wild animals. Now, I just want to stop you there a minute. Here's a massive warrior in all the gear. And here's a skinny shepherd kid that's never seen a battle in his life. And his main aim in life is to deliver cheese sandwiches to his brother's. Scripture says that. It's not me being silly. It says he brings cheese and bread to his brothers. Who would you put your money on? <laughs> David says, all those gathered here will know that it's not by sword or spear that the Lord saves, so the battle is the Lord's, and he will give all of you into our hands. As the Philistine moved closer to attack him, David ran quickly. You don't have to do it. You just start. Yeah, you can run about a bit. You run about, you know, just like. You can come down a bit if you like, because you've had, you've had to come into the valley bottom, in fairness. David ran quickly towards the battle line to meet him. Reaching into his bag and taking out a stone, he slung it and struck the Philistine on the forehead. Boom! The stone sank into his forehead and he fell face down on the ground. Oh! 
So David triumphed over the Philistine with a sling and a stone. This is the bit we've all been waiting for. And I've got a sword just here. And he struck off the Goliath's head. So, <laughs> I didn't think they were really going to ask this. All right, guys, you can go sit down now. I kind of knew those two would play up to it. He took the Philistine's sword and drew it from his sheath. After he had killed him, he cut, his head, he cut off his head with a sword. When the Philistines saw that their hero was dead, they turned and ran. Then the men of Israel and Judah surged forward, and a shout, and with a shout pursued the Philistines. Now, I, I, we've had a bit of fun with that, and it's been a bit acty and, and daft, but it, there's something really powerful going off here. I just want us to get hold of some truths for our lives here. At no point, at no point, did David look like a hero in that. He didn't try to look like a hero in that. At no point did he look stronger or more capable. But what he did do, he, he, he played by God's rules. He was, the, he was prepared to be the person that God had made him. And that was sufficient because in that weakness was his strength. Yeah. That was God's strength in him. Here's how living the moment works. So we've got, these, got the valley sides. Two armies stood opposing each other. And nothing's happening. God's army, Saul's army, the ones that represented God's people, were just stood there, terrified. They were living in the moment. They hide away because the giant looks scary. You don't look for victory when you're in that place. You look for not being defeated. And their passion was to not be defeated. They weren't looking for victory. They were looking to not be defeated. You rely on your own resources. So they were trying to be an army. And even when David comes forward, Saul tries to give him the armor, relying on his own resources. There's no mention of God in the battle. See, you stay away from risk. You stay at home. The moment invades your eternity. See, this army represented God's people. God was with them. And yet the moment and the fear and the giant had invaded their eternity. The moment had broken their eternity and they doubted who they were. If you break the rules and embrace your weakness and enter the valley on God's terms, everything changes. And David broke all the rules. Instead of trying to be strong in his weakness, the person he was, he entered the valley knowing that God was strong. You let eternity invade the moment. No one else's armor was going to be put on him. He didn't want to wear the king's armor. That would be him relying on himself and his own resources. But knowing the Lord is strong in your weakness, who you are is who God made you in order to demonstrate who he is. And this incredible thing takes place because David has been faithful to who the Lord is. The Lord is able to demonstrate his splendor and his glory and bring victory. Goliath is at a massive disadvantage from the outset. And I just want you to know, as Christians, we've always got this idea that we are weak and nothing and we're lucky to survive. And yet we have a victorious king. We have a victorious God who's beaten sin and death. We have won. Jesus, you know, this is not a last ditch battle to see if Jesus will one day be victorious. This is a mopping up exercise. The victory's already been won. It's an eternal eternal victory. What we have to do is to learn to walk in the truth of that. And so David had already seen this truth. David understood 
that the battle belongs to the Lord. We sometimes even sing that. It's in Scripture, the battle belongs to the Lord. So we could walk into the valley bottom knowing that, well, well, I've already won. This is just a giant. This is just a giant in massive arm with a huge spear and a massive shield and, and like years of experience. But that's just a warrior. I have God. Yeah. I have the Lord. A little bit of background to this. Um, just want you to know that David couldn't lose that battle. You understand that, don't you? David could not lose that battle. Scientists are pretty sure that all the descriptions of, of Goliath in Scripture and in other sources, it probably had a condition I can't explain or a scientifically name, but it's a growth hormone problem that makes him... Some people still see it today. They grow incredibly tall. They're probably at three metres tall. He probably had this condition. It does crop up occasionally. Also meant he probably had terrible eyesight. I want you to get hold of that. So this mighty warrior, who is very tall and very strong, is blind as a bat. And he needs a shield bearer. Warriors carry their own shield. Archers carry a purveyor, a shield. Somebody else carries that for them, but warriors carry their own shield. He needs somebody to guide him onto the battlefield. He's expecting a close hand-to-hand combat fight where his sight doesn't matter. He can just use his weight and his size and defeat the enemy. He shouts, come to me, because he can't go to them. He can't see well enough. He sees David and thinks he carries sticks. He doesn't carry sticks. What does he carry? He carries a sling. He doesn't really see what's happening. He expects a warrior on warrior, close-up heavy, heavyweight, slugging match. He doesn't see the danger. He faces a skirmisher. This massive warrior covering kilograms, 200 kilograms of bronze. Can't run around, but here's this young lad as a shepherd boy and his sandals and a smock and a sling that can run around and run rings around him and do anything he wants. And he also has a sling that can fire a stone at the velocity of a handgun. The velocity of a handgun and is incredibly accurate. Now think about this again. Who's going to win that battle? Who was ever going to win that battle? It was only ever going to be David. Goliath had lost before he even started. All Goliath, all the giants have in our lives, all the enemy has in our lives, all the problems that face us in our lives, all the stuff that can come in our direction, all the things that we fear, you know, what, what they have is intimidation. Scripture actually talks about Satan, talks about our enemy, and he's, he's the father of lies. What he does is lie to you. He never declares the truth over you. He never declares the truth to you. He twists and he distorts and he presents something to us that is not the truth. And he takes away our identity. But David refused to have his identity taken away. So he walked in the truth that I'm a shepherd. I'm a shepherd, but I'm, I'm a shepherd who loves the Lord my God. And in that, I've known how to fight bears and lions and protect the flock. I've known how to serve and I've known how to trust him and to lean on him. So as each situation gets bigger and more dangerous, the Lord doesn't change. I am confident in the situation. All victory needs is for one person in their weakness to take a lead and to say, in my weakness, the Lord is strong. Because as, as David, in his weakness, found strength in the Lord, once he'd killed the giant, the entire army understood the army came running. They understood. This young boy has taken a lead. And we remember who we are. You know, sometimes the weakest of us, the weakest of the most frail person in this room, on that moment you step up and say, the Lord is in this. My God is bigger. The minute you do that, the faith that bursts out across the room. So you know, sometimes when you come and give your testimony, 
we'll be doing a little bit of this tonight at our um, live lounge service. When people give a testimony and say, well, I, I, this thing happened and God did this in my life. I want to tell you, the moment you talk about how great God is in your life, it just pours courage into other people. It pours encouragement and courage and strength into other people. Because they see who you are and they know that they have their own weaknesses. See, David as a shepherd boy went and won and immediately the mighty army remembered who it was. Church, sometimes we need to be reminded who we are. We are sons of the living God. We're a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. I like to throw these phrases out a lot. They're phrases that are in Scripture. They're not dreamy phrases. They're not, they're not wishful thinking. They're not aspirational. We are a royal priesthood. A holy nation. We are a chosen people. That is what scripture says. It's not one day we will be. Today. Today. And the moment that leader steps out, the army steps up and victory follows. It only takes one person to step out and let eternity invade the moment. And the amazing thing is, you know, sometimes when we say, would you come and just stand here, we'll pray for you. The minute we invite people up and people, people come and stand here sometimes for prayer or ministry, when they do that, they're effectively saying, Lord, your kingdom come. Invade this moment in time in my life with your eternity. And let's see things change. We always think that David and Goliath is about winning the impossible fight. King Saul and Goliath and both armies think they've set the rules of the fight. But David knows who he is. And more importantly, he knows who the Lord is. The story is about knowing your identity in the Lord. And I've got to say, if there's one thing that I think as a church we've got to get hold of more than anything else, is knowing who we are in God. Knowing who we are in God. And knowing who we are in God isn't the, isn't the church as an old nightclub. Knowing who we are in God isn't, isn't the church that meets in Barnsley Town Centre. Knowing who we are in God, are we, we are children of the living God. Yeah. That's who we are first. We are ambassadors for Christ. We are a royal priesthood, a holy nation. We're chosen, we are set apart. Are we special? No, we're weak. But our God is strong. And in that, are we better than other people? No, but our God is king. Yeah. That. I see, I, I'm a sinner still being saved. Did you know that? I'm a church pastor and periodically I sin. I mean, more recently I flashed my tummy when my button was undone. And I know that was bad. We all get it wrong. But it doesn't change who we are in God. Amen. Christ, paid, Christ paid the ultimate battle. And when he set aside everything, when he set aside everything that made him equal with God, he set that aside and in weakness, he became humbled as a man and died even on a cross. At that moment, he wins. He defeats death and sin. At that moment, he has victory. At that moment, he allows us to step into that victory with him. We become like the army running down off a hill. We become part of that great crowd of witnesses that declares how great our God is. So often we make the mistake of thinking winning or losing is about power and size and possessions. It isn't. It's about having a confidence and faith in God. It's always about perceiving the truth. It's always about being strong in the Lord. It's always about invading the moment with the eternal. It's always about saying your kingdom come in this situation. Because what we have right here, right now in this messed up world is not a great deal. But when we realize we can call your kingdom come into our world situation, into our life situation, wow, that makes a difference. So like now for our country, 
It really, I really don't care which way you voted or didn't vote. I don't care what you think about Parliament. Um, I've just made a decision not to pass comment on this stuff on Facebook anymore because people always distort what you say and get it wrong and get stroppy and tell you off when you see them. I've just been at one event. I got told off a lot. Um, <laughs> but what I do see is our God is bigger. And he says, my kingdom is not of this world. It's like, scripture says, when he looks at the leaders and kings of this world making their plans, he has to smile to himself and even laugh sometimes. He's thinking, oh, guys, bless. You really think you've got this, don't you? I mean, I, I just, his ways are so much higher than our ways. Thoughts so much more. For so long we've told the stories of David and Goliath in our own lives. The giant is overwhelming and we are weak. It's a miracle we ever survive. Actually, we were never going to lose. David was never going to lose. You come against me with sword, spear and javelin, but I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. This day the Lord will deliver you into my hands. So here we are, a bunch of people in a church in Barnsley, one of many churches across this town, and we look at the state of this town, look at the stuff that's going off in people's lives, look at the brokenness and the, the homelessness, and people sleeping off, and we experience that around this building. I've just had to unblock a, a, one of our fire exits today, today with homeless stuff around it you know what it's a bit overwhelming isn't it how can we possibly do that we can't when we're just not big enough we're too weak we're defeated except God but God and we pray into our situation pray into our situation call into our moment eternity because our God is bigger and I give you Stephen as an example as that Stephen that's now in Batello's life he's transforming before us do it with the one, you can do it with the many. It's not what you look like that matters, but what you carry in you and how you see that makes a difference. Do we see what the Lord can do? When we walk through our town, are we defeated by it? When we look at our personal situations, are we defeated by it? Or are we able to say, the Lord, your kingdom come. Bring your eternity, Lord, into my right now moment. David knew who he was and knew who the Lord is. And in his victory over Goliath, the whole army realized who they were. Their eyes were opened. They entered the valley. The valley of death becomes a valley of victory where fear is banished. The valley of death becomes a valley of victory where fear is banished. And I want to tell you, I, I genuinely feel excited by what God can do in this town with people like us. Because here's, here's this amazing thing. Scripture tells us that the Lord delights in taking the least and the last. And in so many ways, a place like Barnes is considered to be the least and the last. It's not the top of agenda of places to come and live for most people. And those that did move here are often left bewildered. Not least, some of you stayed. And in another five years, you'll be from Yorkshire. At 40 years, you you get your passport. No, you're definitely one of us, Paula. You're part of the scene. You're part, you're part of the DNA now. You, 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 there's no escape. You just think, no, this is it. Even though you went to the valley of death, you need fear no evil. It's only Yorkshire. <laughs> we look at our town, and it's overwhelming. The world looks at our town and sometimes smiles or smirks or mocks. But it is the truth. 
God sees his finished thing. He sees beautiful Barnsley. He truly believes he sees beautiful Barnsley. See, what he sees is a completed picture. Our, our eternal God, because eternity goes into vanishing point both ways. Because it is world without end. Our incredible king, our God, is able to see Barnsley complete. He's able to see his revival and his redemption come. He's able to see salvation sweep through the streets. He's able to see healing happen in this place. He knows what that looks like. He's excited because he knows what Barnsley being beautiful will be. He knows the transformation it will bring. He knows that the streets will look different. He knows that the homes will look different. He knows that the hospital will look different. The council will look different. That your street and your home will be different. That the church will be different. Because he sees it completed. Because he knows what it will be when his son returns. What we've got to do is learn to live in that truth. Unseen. But we know it's the truth. And so we pray your kingdom come. Lord, invade our moment with your eternity. And that's what we're going to be looking at over these next few weeks. That's the very thing he did, God did. The moment of Jesus' birth, he brought eternity into our moment. He played by his rules, not the enemy. And the enemy tried to play by his rules. And three times he tried to tempt Jesus, Satan tried to tempt Jesus. But each time Jesus played by a different set of rules. He played by the Father's rules. Because he effectively says, my father invented this. Father God invented this. This is not your game to ask questions. This is not your world to play with. This is the Father's kingdom. This is the Lord's. For they're not of the world any more than I am of the world. My prayer is not that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. They are not of the world, even as I am not of it. Sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, I have sent them into the world. You know, the reality is, like David, we're sent into the valley. We're sent in to face the giants. And our life is full of giants. Here's a hard truth. Here's a hard truth. What we fear, we worship. What we fear, we worship. We give our attention to. We give our thinking to. We give our time to. We give our consciousness to. We lose our sleep over. What we fear, we worship. That's what it says in Proverbs 9.10. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. We need to fear the Lord. As we look at the Lord and recognize who he is, the enormity, the eternity of who he is, as we place our fear in him, our trust, that as we begin to worship him, everything changes. It overrides and supersedes every fear. And Scripture says we are no longer slaves to fear. Scripture says we are no longer slaves to fear, but we willingly give that fear, that worship. We give to the Lord. David gave his worship to the Lord and became famous for his worship. And so fear of the giant was gone. He could enter the valley. Today we can enter the valley. Jesus entered the valley of this world and defeated the giant of sin and death. Like the army, we get to follow him into the valley of victory and defeat the giants. Even Christians go through difficulties. Sometimes we pray. I said this a couple of weeks ago, but I wanted to say it again. Even Christians go through difficulties. Sometimes we pray intensely that our difficulties will go away. But God does not remove them. Wow, even the Apostle Paul says, I've got a right pain in the flesh, a thorn in the flesh. Some difficulties cannot be prayed away. Sometimes we have to enter the valley and face them. We have to walk through it. You can't pray away autumn when the leaves fall, but without it you can't see spring and you can't see new life flourish. Sometimes we have to enter the valley. Church, there are people in this room who are going to have to enter the valley and face things. It's time. 
It's time. I know, a bit, bit, bit blunt. It's time. It's time to let go of some of that stuff. And it will be a journey. But we need, we need his eternity to enter into our moment so we can grow to be different. So we're not carrying the baggage of years, carrying the pressures and fears of years. I, I think the Lord wants to break us free from some of that stuff. And I'm going to name some of those things. For some of us, it can be instant. For others of us, it will be walking through that valley of death. It will be pressing through it for a long time. But we are still inviting his eternity into our moment. We're still saying, Lord, would you help me to defeat this Goliath? It says in 2 Corinthians, we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. We are hard-pressed on every side, but not crushed. Perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not abandoned. Struck down, but not destroyed. We always carry around in our body the death of Christ, so that the life of Christ may be revealed in our body. For we who are alive are always being taken over to death for Jesus' sake, so that his life may also be revealed in our mortal body. So then death is at work in us, but life is at work in you. David, the very moment he entered that valley, he entered the valley of death. He should have been dead, but he chose to enter it. And in that very moment, he entered life. He entered life because he gave himself over to God and was victorious. We cannot pray a moment away, but we can pray eternity into our moments. We cannot run ahead of the moment. We can walk through it by faith. We cannot change the moment. We can turn it into a moment, a movement of victory. Face the giants in the valley today. Be stronger. So here are some giants. Let's see how much I can offend you. Just as I bring this to a close and the band come and cover up the fact I'm about to offend you. What is your giant? Is your giant health, physical or mental? Is your giant finance? Is your giant emotional? Is your giant employment issues? Is your, is, your, is your giant relationships? Is your giant hurts? Is your giant disappointment? Is your giant fear or loss? Is your giant the need for direction? Is your giant the choices that you make? Is your giant your job? Is your giant your age? Is your giant your history? Is your giant your lifestyle? Saul offered David his armor to put on, but David refused it. His trust in that moment wasn't in another's failed approach, but in God's provision. Let's not put on another's armor this morning. Let's not look to others, but let's put on the full armor of God. Tony Miller, um, reading some of his stuff recently, said this, oftentimes your vision or dream will reveal the negativity and unbelief in other people. They'll say you're out of your mind to believe you can't do that. And Tony Miller goes on to say, there's no need to argue with them. Just say to them, my friend, I'm not out of my mind. I'm out of your mind. See, when you come and give those things to God, people might say, but because of your history, because of your experiences, because of your current circumstance, you can't possibly imagine those things will happen. You can't possibly see those things. That's limited vision. We have a God of eternal vision. We have a God of eternal provision. We have a God that changes who we are. We have a God that takes darkness and makes it children of light. We have a God of new creation. And this morning I believe God wants to recreate some people. He wants to take some people into the valley. And so we're going to do this thing.
and this is your option. It's entirely your option. This is, this is, there is, no, there is absolutely categorically not an emotional plea in this one. Because I look at what David did, there was no emotion going off there. He just chose to enter the valley. And so I'm going to say in between two chairs here, actually preferably down there on the carpet bit, just treat it like a valley. And you know what you're going to come and bring before the Lord. In a sense, you don't need to tell me, you don't need to tell anybody else. I'm just going to invite people as we sing, as we bring us our last act of worship. Make your greatest act of worship the delivering up of who you are before God and come and stand here. Just come and stand and say, Lord, this is yours. This is yours. This situation, you and the Lord know. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God. Live by his rules. Psalm 103 says, As parents feel for their children, God feels for those who fear him. He knows us inside and out. You see, I could come and pray with you this morning and I can have a good idea what's going off. But the Lord knows you inside and out. And so as we sing this last song of worship, and I am not going to get back up and encourage anybody else to come and respond. I'm not going to pressure this. I'm not going to say, Lord, people are going to come and pray for you. I simply want to say, if there are situations or circumstances in your life, if there's a dream or a vision in your life, things that are giants to you, I'm simply going to say, come and face it. Because God knows if it's just an act or if it's real. The Lord knows. He knows you inside and out. Scripture says so. He knows you inside and out. So I'm going to invite you to come and just stand here and bring yourself as an offering. Because that's what David was. David put himself forward as an offering on behalf of the people. Gave himself to God and said, Lord, if you're not in this one, it's all over. Went and stood in the valley. So, Lord, we want to pray that in these next few weeks, you would teach us what it is to be strong in our weakness. Lord, that you become strong in our weakness. That in our everyday lives and situations, Lord, we want to pray that we would discover the strength of the Lord. That we would let you know us inside and out. Holy Spirit, that you would transform who we are. That we would be strong in the Lord and put on that mighty power, that full armor of God. Lord, not because I'm strong, but because I'm weak, then your strength is demonstrated. Your grace is demonstrated. Your love is demonstrated. Your kingdom comes in our lives. So Lord, we pray now that you would touch hearts across this room. Lord, we don't want to stand in the room for no reason. We want to be different at the other side of it. So I'm going to be praying, Lord, that there will be people in this room today that would enter their spiritual valley of death, face their situation, their physical situation, their emotional, their mental, their practical, whatever it may be, they will be able to stand and know that today it can be different. I want to pray, Lord, that you would invade some of our moments in life with your eternity, with your kingdom come. Amen. Amen. So just to be sing, to bring our last time of worship and close and go for coffee and friendship and fellowship uh, together, spend time together. If you want to come and stand here and say, here is my moment, Lord, invade it with your eternity, I invite you to do that. i uh-huh.
is a melody I raise a hallelujah Heaven comes to fight for me Yes, hope will arise. Death is defeated.
you, Lord. So, Lord, we thank you for all you've done. Thank you for all you're doing and all that you will do. And, Lord, just as we stand before you, pray that you will, we pray that you will banish fear. Banish fear from our lives. We pray that you would turn your face towards us. And that you would give us your peace. Present in our everyday life situation. For every person who responded this morning, we want to pray that you would lift fear from their situation and that their next moments would be better moments. Your eternity will begin to invade their situation, begin to invade their circumstance. Lord, we are yours. We are your chosen people. We are your royal priesthood. We are your holy nation. We are set apart for you. Lord, we want to be your ambassadors. So we want to walk well without fear walk only in the fear of the Lord. So would you bless us and keep us? Would you help us to find your strength in our weakness and to bring glory to your name? We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. If you're new to us, we've not got your details yet, we would love to have them. In our Connects corner or people with Connects t-shirts or badges on, we'd love to grab your details so we can give you 